Welcome. This is Dr. Owen Anderson for our weekly devotional. And this week, I'm looking at Romans chapter 12. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 are very common memory verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the noon of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Now, I'm going to scroll down, though, and begin at verse 9. And I think verse 9, that the whole chapter is continuing this theme of what is it to be transformed by the noon of our mind and to not be conformed to this world. And, and in verse 9, what it says is, let love be without hypocrisy. That requires a transformation because in our, our fallen condition, we aren't inclined to love and we are inclined to hypocrisy. Now, I'm aware that the word love is one of the most misused words of our day. And it normally means something like sentiment, feeling, uh, warm feelings towards a person. And it can be hard to work up feelings. In fact, it, it may be impossible. If you, you say, I don't like this thing, but I'm going to make myself like it and feel good towards it, it's pretty well impossible. Feelings are always a lagging indicator. They're always because of something else. Feelings require our minds to be changed. So here we're not thinking about love as feelings. So what is it? Let's keep going and see what it says. Abhor what is evil. So, and cling to what is good. So nine gives us, we want to love without hypocrisy. Or uh, another word might be, uh, I think in the, this is the end, New King James. I think in King James is dissimulation. You don't have any selfish reasons for loving. You're loving the other for their good. And abhor what is evil. So those two go together. They actually have to do one to do the other. Cling to what is good. And it says, be kindly affectionate with one another in brotherly love. So in this sense of love here, brotherly love, this is like, just as the word brotherly tips us off to, a kind of familial love. You're loving other Christians the way you would your family. And you might think about your family and, and families have disputes and disagreements, but they also can weather through that because you have a kind of bond that lasts, that's more permanent than just someone who's a friend that you could, you could stop talking to them and never see them again. Here, uh, he said, no, you should love each other with that brotherly love and have that kind of affection for the other. Now, that doesn't mean you'll like them. Brothers may not like each other. They might annoy each other, tease each other, but they're commanded to love each other. And there's a sense in which two brothers could be kind of teasing each other, harassing each other. But then when someone outside the family uh, teases one of them, maybe even in the same way the other brother was, the brothers stand up for each other and say, hey, you can't talk that way to my brother. So we have brotherly love for one another. And then he uses this word in honor, giving preference to one another. And as I understand the word honor here, it's the sense of having evaluated something. And after that evaluation, to appraise it, so to speak, 
or to place a value on it. Because you understand what it is, you value it. I thought of Achilles and how badly Achilles wanted honor. And the kind of honor he wanted, he, he felt slighted by his brother-in-arms, Agamemnon. And he refused to fight anymore with the other brothers, of other soldiers, brothers in battle. So he wanted honor to be praised in a certain way. And if he didn't get it, then he wouldn't, wouldn't be part of it anymore. And that's the opposite of what's going on here. Instead, you're commanded not to, not to uh, love Achilles in his selfishness, but to assess correctly a Christian brother and then value them because of what they offer. In fact, giving preference to them because of what they offer and not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and giving to hospitality. So 11 and 12 give you one after another, after another uh, command of, to, to reflect on. What does it mean to be fervent? in spirit, rejoicing in hope, being patient in tribulation. And in fact, in 14, it picks up there, bless those who persecute you. Remember, we were told that there'll be those who persecute you and they'll think they're doing it in the name of God, that their persecution of you, they might think it's love. They might think it's a tough love or something. Uh, bless those who persecute you. You, you, can, you can say what Jesus said. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. They're doing it out of Ignorance, like Paul said. So bless them and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. And do, do not be wise in your own opinion. And then repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. And if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink, and in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And so finally concluding with, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, if we don't understand what is good and evil, we simply can't do that. And this verse 21 really summarizes the whole chapter of Romans 19. Oh, sorry, Romans 12. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Ultimately, we know the revelation of the glory of God you, it even overcomes evil because evil serves that revelation. Evil ends up also revealing the glory of God. So evil can't overcome good, but good can overcome evil. And in that context, there's nothing for which we would need to get revenge. We can leave that up to God, the discipline of God, and treat our enemies this way. Now, I know that sometimes what we might call liberal theologians reduce the Bible to just, or the gospel to just outward acts of kindness. So they might read some of this and say, yeah, that's what Christians, they should actually be out there handing out food and, and uh, water to the thirsty. And, and sure, that, that's fine. But notice in what context this is being done. If we call this the love of our neighbor, and, and our neighbor here turns out to be our enemy, 
We even love our enemy, which is really part of the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Because the Samaritan and the Jews were enemies. But it's being done in the context of serving God and his kingdom. We are to serve the Lord. And to, that's right up here in verse 11. So the love of the neighbor comes after our love of God. In many cases, when you look into liberal theology, they've jettisoned God altogether, or perhaps they're sort of like immanentists or, or uh, pantheists that say all is God, humans are God, and the human spirit is God. So none of that works. We can't have this part and not the love of God, which really is where love begins. If we're not seeking God, and seeking to know God, we won't understand what it means to want our neighbor to be able to do that. And we will get into uh, competitions with others, uh, envies of each other's coveting, and we, because we won't see how do our different talents contribute to that good. So Achilles doesn't know what is good, and so he's not even able to honor because he doesn't know what the good is. So let's learn to love without hypocrisy abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. We're coming up to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians in our sermon series. And so we'll be speaking quite a bit about love. And a lot of that will come back to Romans chapter 12 here, because Romans chapter 12 is like a little version or a parallel version of 1 Corinthians 13.